Welcome to the VoxGig podcast. We talk to people in the developer community about developer relations, public speaking, and community events. For more details, visit voxgig.com podcast. All right, let's get started. Let's talk to Alvin Bryan, who is a developer advocate at Contentful. Contentful is a classic SaaS startup, and Alvin's role is a classic developer relations role. He's new to the game, has only been doing it for about six months so far, and is eager to tell us how it's going. The interesting thing is that Alvin has made a deliberate choice to move from front-end development into developer relations. And for anyone else thinking of making that career change, this will be a particularly interesting podcast. In particular, we talk about the importance of having a connection and an understanding for the product that your company is selling. You can't advocate for something that you don't feel any real passion or interest in. We also talk about thinking where to position yourself in the three C's of developer relations, code, content, or community. You don't necessarily have to do all three, and you can certainly focus on the one where you can provide more value to your employer. Finally, we touch on the subject of whether developer advocates and those in the developer relations team should be involved to some extent in product development. For example, helping to build the SDK. This is an open question. And I've seen lots of different companies take lots of different approaches. Of course, in the very early days of a startup, everybody has to do everything. But once you're more established and you've built out your teams, what relation does the developer advocate have to the core product in terms of actual software development? All right, let's talk to Alvin. Alvin, welcome to the Fireside with Boxgate podcast. It is great to have you on here today, this very, very cold day. How are you doing? <laughs> I'm good. Yeah, just, uh, it's, it's good to be inside. <laughs> it's raining right now, and it's well, just bad. <laughs> we just identified ourselves as being in the Northern Hemisphere. Hello to the Southern yes. Hemisphere, you lucky guys, and your lovely weather. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah, it's a good time for, you know, a fireside <laughs> chat. Absolutely. I was speaking to some uh, Brazilian developers yesterday, and uh, uh-huh. 23 degrees Celsius. I don't know about that in T-shirt weather. Very comfortable weather. Okay, let's get started. You are a developer advocate. You've moved into the developer relations career track. Uh, yes. But it's really new for you. You started off as a front-end developer. So yeah. let's go through the story because a lot of people are thinking of, you know, maybe that's maybe it's an interesting career change. So how did you go from a traditional developer career path into DevRel. So for me, I did a lot of like a lot of DevRel stuff like on the side. I think it's it's kind of a thing, you know, when you're you're a developer to you know to do talks and like write articles and all of that. So so I I, I did that like on you know for for a few things. You know, I did local meetup groups. I spoke in small conferences. Nothing notable. Um, but yeah, I, I did that for a while, but on top of a full-time job, again, as you said, as a regular front-end person, it was a lot because, <laughs> you know, like, uh, you know, preparing a talk is a lot to work and rehearsing and everything. 
plus you know traveling and um even if you know I, I was using like local meetups to practice like a lot of people are but yeah it it, it got a lot and even just maintaining a, a website and like writing uh, regularly all of this is, is a lot of work and um so I did that for a bit and then I stopped because it, it got too much. And then two things sort of happened um, around 2021. I, I guess three things. Number one was um, I was feeling like so I, I was working at the Wall Street Journal. I was working on design systems and like and charts. And it was, you know, for someone who loves like front end and like interactions and data viz, like it was a great gig. But I was feeling a little bit, you know, the, like the, again, this was 2021. So like the last year and a half, the previous year and a half, I guess, you know, the new cycle and everything it was, it was a lot. And so I started feeling the first signs of like a burnout or yeah, I guess, I guess it was burnout. I, I don't even know, but yeah, I just, you know, just like this kind of jadedness around the work that I didn't like. Um, and I knew that I had, you know, done a lot of the DevRel stuff before and that I liked it. And at the same time, I started teaching at CodeBar, which I'm happy to talk about more, but it's essentially, it's a, it's a meetup. It was virtual at the time that helps people who are learning to code. So people come to you with a problem, which could be anything really. So you're, so the idea is for every meetup, they try to have the same number of students as the same, and the same number of ex more experienced coaches uh, or tutors. Um, so people come in with a pro with a problem, which could be anything really. It could be like, I'm doing JavaScript basics. What's an array? Like, what, what's this for loop thing? I don't really understand what's going on. Or I'm building this recipe app for my portfolio because I'm I'm you know more I'm inf interviewing for jobs and have and I have a bug somewhere. I'm not really sure what's going on. Can you help me? So, so yeah. So as a coach at CodeBar, this is what you do. So this was a lot more on the teaching side of things. Okay. And I realized that I really liked it. Um, and also it was really nice to just like be very close to like users and like actual people because for um, for my job at the Wall Street Journal, I was working on editorial tools. So my audience was, so, so my audience was internal um, um, graphics reporters. So if you, so if you consider the the distance that there is, I guess, between my code and, and like an actual yeah. user of the Wall Street Journal, it was, it was it was a lot. Like you know, because you know, my code goes to the graphics reporter, which then makes something, which then goes onto the website, which then goes onto a user, right? Um, which again, like, uh, uh, it's um, there's nothing wrong with that. But the for, with Codebar, when I had this immediate sort of one to one relationship with um, someone in the context of you know teaching or them being an actual, I guess user of what I was doing, it was just really, really nice. And I was, and all of these things combined. And the third thing was that in, again, the end of 2021, the market was crazy. Like nothing like what we have right now. Um, the, yeah, there was every company left and right was struggling to hire. Uh, we had tons of tons of investment being poured in on lots of companies. There were Tons of companies that, you know, had just raised millions and, you know, seed rounds and series A and B and whatever. And it just felt like the right time to try something new. <laughs> yeah. So that's it. Yeah. Okay. So, yeah, it, it's kind of, a, it, it sounds like 
It sounds like you were born to be a developer advocate. <laughs> nah. <laughs> What's interesting to me is um, before you kind of made this career choice and before you worked at the Wall Street Journal, you were doing developer advocate stuff for your employer. And did your did your did your company support that? Did did they on travel or was it something they tolerated? Tolerated is the right word. Um, and I think they, no, they were supportive in the, I guess in the, in the philosophical sense. In that, you know, if I if I needed to take an afternoon off to work on, to work on on like slides or whatever, that, that was good. It wouldn't be like would, I would never be able to take a week off, for example. Um, but yeah, so they were supportive in that sense. But yeah, they ne they never you know funded travel again. So when I was at the Wall Street Journal, this was during. Um, pandemic year so there was no travel um yeah. well, that, that so, you know between like 2021 to 2022 basically um uh, sorry 2020 2022 um so yeah so so this was so but even in previous employers like because uh, there they were more than one um yeah i think it was mostly the same thing like um people were happy that you did it but they were not necessarily you know uh give you that time or money to to do that. I mean, I know there are tons of employers that do it. Don't get me wrong. Like, so it's like, I know, for example, in London, there's a lot of companies that, you know, would uh, open their offices to host meetups. So there, there's a lot, you know, there's lots of employers who are really into that. Um, I just never happened to work for them. <laughs> um, so yeah. So the, yeah. So the different things, I guess, were separate from, from my employment. Like uh, I, and I, most of the time I would also talk about things that were quite different to what I was doing on, on the you know on the on the like day to day basis, it was mostly like experiments I did on the side and st stuff like that that I was more more excited to talk about. <laughs> well, I, yeah, it's fascinating to me, right? Because uh, I've worked with so many companies and founded a few, and I mean that the developer relations activity was really important to our success to selling and to hiring. And even if people were doing talks and there was just a tiny little logo on the last slide or there wasn't even a logo, but uh, you know, they just said the name of the company, um, it paid off. The result, the return from that investment was huge. I, I just find it really hard to understand a company that doesn't, when they have somebody like yourself who's willing to go out there and torture themselves producing content. <laughs> uh, but they don't that they're that they're not hugely supportive um yeah it's uh i guess if if i guess you have to gravitate towards the companies that do understand the value of, of what you do yeah and i think again it, it really varies it's just like there's there's loads of employers that uh, recognize it i i think to me it, it, as you said the one of the biggest points is hiring i think there's 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 companies that do understand the, the value of like you know um hiring you know and talent in general and i think that's broadly where it sits because you know when like some companies will be like you know we'll we'll go we'll be crazy with benefits and they really try hard to attract and retain people um and that's not all of them i, th I think the um Dow Jones, so Dow Jones Wall Street Journal was one of them. It's just going to happen that, you know, it was 2020 to 2022. So nothing happened. Um, I mean, a lot happened in the news, but not in the conference spaces. Not, not much happened. Um, 
So the, so yeah, I think there's like looking at employers in general. I think that's where, to, to me, that's where the, you know, the divide leads where they're like, oh yeah, for sure. We need, we need to have a good image with developers because we want people to apply to us. We want people to, we want to be an attractive employer for, you know, for, for people to work, to work at. And I think like, to me, that that's kind of where, where, where that, that divide is for, between employers who understand that and those that don't. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, that said, I mean, I think it seems, it feels like the, the, the understanding that there's a need for developer relations and the developer advocate role has certainly become well recognized. I certainly hope so. Oh, for sure. Um, for sure. Like I th- oh, okay. you, you saw that, you saw that again in, in 2021 with, uh, again, all that, all that startup investment that happened. Um, for, for me, it, it was never the right place to apply because I was new to the field, but there were tons, there were tons of people who like had just raised, just went through like a seed round and they were like, right now we need, we need it. We have a, we have a product, we have something, let's get, let's get some, let's get a DevRel function going. And so, so sometimes even before like, like actual marketing, like, you know, if you, they would hire DevRel before they'd hire like even content writers. So, um, yeah, yeah I, 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 I agree with you. Bad strategy. <laughs> so you were doing, you were doing DevRel style activities long before it was your official job. Yeah. But now that it has become your official job and you've been doing it for six months, a year, six months. Yeah. Six months. So, uh, I mean, here's the cliche question, right? So what, what, what was surprising in the role, um, given that you had done this type of stuff before, but when you're doing it for real, for money, yeah. <laughs> what's different? Yeah. What, what, what was, what, what was, what was stuff that surprised you about the role that you, you hadn't really thought of before? Yeah. So I think there's, um, two things that the first one is that you really get, have to, um, work on the right product. It's something I had read online. Um, you know, it was one of the, you know, cause you, you read like these generic, you know, like, um, advice type posts, which, you know, which pick the right product, make sure you have a you know great team, whatever. Um, and that one, I kinda, that one was kind of a, a throwaway thing for me, but no, it's, it's super important because you're, you're as, as a DevRel, you're talking about your product all the time. But it's not just that. It's like I mean, you're you're obviously you're, you're immersed in your product. You're always in it. You're always using it. You're always talking about it. But I think what's most important is you're you're thinking about all the problems that are around the product. So, for example, for me at Contentful, it's it's all about you know the um, I can relate to developers you know building websites, you know doing uh, doing front end stuff. Um, and thinking about front end as a as a domain, I guess as a as a problem in general is what I like. But for example, if I was if I worked for I don't know like Kubernetes, for example, which is like this yeah. cloud DevOps thing that I have no clue about, it would be hard for me to relate to to, to again to the actual this this whole domain of like doing cloud scaling and and managing servers and everything because a I've never done it. And B again, I don't know what the I don't know the audience. So it would be it would be it's not it could be a great thing to learn, you know, if you're willing to you know to get in. I think it's a great way to get into a problem space if you if you want to really dive deep into it. 
But if you happen to, you know, to start your your first DevRel job in a company that's kind of not really not really your thing, I think you, you'll struggle. And that was a surprise. How much like you're thinking about the surrounding your product itself, and again, your the surrounding all the surrounding ideas, and yeah, it, it's a it's it's a lot of it's yeah it's it's, a, it's an immersion. That's what I said. And I think the second thing that surprised me. And it it's kind of reinforces what I just said. It's at least at Contentful, we get a lot of autonomy. Like there's no one, there's no one behind my back saying, um, you know, that or with a really plan that says, All right, you have to have twelve blog posts this year, two events, I don't know, four podcasts, whatever. It's more like um, we 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 have we have goals, we have targets. It's not you know just a free for all thing. But how we achieve the goals and how and you know even your your day to day is is pretty open. I mean, you know, sometimes we have concrete things like, um, you know, we have, we, you know, we know that there are certain blog posts we need to write. We know that there's certain features of the product that are coming up that we are going to need to talk about. But the day-to-day is, is quite, quite flexible. And I think that's part of the nature of the job because it can involve so many things, right? So it could be doing organizing an event one day and then again, writing a blog post the other day, then being on a podcast like I am right now. So it's, and I think that that's where this autonomy comes from. It's because you know, it's such a, it's such a flexible sort of free flowing um, stream of activities that happen all the time that it's, it's just, it would be very hard to have this, you know, very task based, you know, <laughs> um, style of management. Yeah. Now that's interesting. I think this, this, there is a wide range of uh, DevRel structures. Um, certainly some people that we talk to have a lot more formal measurement of their work. Um, do you guys do that at all in terms of measuring? Yes. Yeah. yeah, maybe I didn't emphasize that. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. No, we definitely do. I, maybe I didn't emphasize that enough. But yeah, we have goals and targets and they're very clear and we and we... We meet up. We have we have strategies. We have ways of achieving those goals, and we have again these metrics that we're accountable for. But again, like whether like you know, would I need to do four or five podcasts? You know, like it's th- that type of thing. Like you know what I mean? Like is it is it? No, no, no. It's definitely the sixth podcast that's going to get me there. You know, it's very hard to make that correlation. Um, so yeah, I, so I think that's, that, that, that's where the autonomy lies. Uh, yeah, Penful, which is the, they're relying on your expertise to understand the channels where you have to talk to where the developers are, right, or or what content they're looking for. Yes, and the great thing that we do, and I think that was such a brilliant idea from my boss uh, Jen. So when we started, she did an exercise that is great that she calls the love, like, hate. So we basically we list like. We go with a brainstorm, we list all the activities we can think of. And everyone in the team can put a card and say they either love it, like it, or hate it. And that's a great way to assess like what people want to do and their strength. Okay, this is just developer advocate activities now. Yes. Like, you know, uh, surfing or something. No, 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 yeah. <laughs> okay. It's not, not, okay, it's slightly more focused. Yeah, not 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 like eating. <laughs> like barbecues. Yeah, 
trying restaurants. Yes, I like that. I, I love that. <laughs> um, Debrail activities if you yeah, look sideways. Um, yeah. Yeah, no, so, so, yeah, okay. so it's it's a great exercise, and that that also helps you know determine okay, so maybe you know maybe Alvin should should be on podcast because he likes it. Um, maybe you know we are, we have obviously we have a, a, a new community person who just started, and not just started, who started recently, and uh, she's all over all the community stuff. For obviously, you know, she's all over being um, being on online communities and like talking to people and all of that when. Like a lot of us weren't, you know, we were more about, yeah, let's go to meetups, let's, um, or again, let's write blog posts. And yeah. And, and again, this is why, this is why it works. This is, it, it just means playing to your, to your strength really. Yeah. Cause the community engagement, uh, activity is different, right? I would, I'd yeah. say that it's a part of, of, uh, developer relations, but, um, it is a specific skill set. Um, and if you're yes. not, um, it's not something you're good at. It would be very difficult to do well. Yeah, and it, it's part of the it's part of the three C's of DevRel, which I'm sure you've heard about. Um, well, tell yeah, so it's, let's let's go through those for those who are learning. Oh, sure, yeah, yeah. So that was, I think, that was that came out in 2014 from the SendGrid team and Brendan West. So the idea of, is again, we're talking about DevRel activities. And the idea is to divide them into three C's. So the letter C. So you get code, content, and community. So code is more like your your SDKs. It's um, you know, it's like it's it's more like the, the DevX side of things, but it can be product feedback and all that stuff. Content is well, I mean, it makes sense now. <laughs> We're in the age of content now, so yeah, it's that. It's podcast, it's blog posts, it's uh, YouTube videos, whatever we can think of. Um, and the last thing is community. So, and that's more again like meetups. It's online, you know, Discord groups. It's you know the Stack Overflow and everything. So yeah, that's these are the three C's, and usually. And it's a great way also to think about DevRel in terms of okay, where do I sit? You know, I mean, there are people who likes doing who like doing all three, uh, and are good at all three that exist. But often it's it's often people tend to you know be stronger in one or two. Interesting. Yeah. So that's okay. So that, that's it's an interesting way of looking at it because um, on the surface, I would have said that doing all three is kind of essential to the developer advocate role. Yes, definitely. If you have a team, you can ask people to play to their strengths, as you say. Mm -hmm. um, I, I'm just guessing from what you're saying, you're more on the code and content side, or do you do all Exactly, three? yeah, yeah. Um, that said, you have, you have launched a meetup, which we'll talk about. Yes, <laughs> yeah. Awesome. Yeah, again, I, I like it. It's, it's about, again, it's about strength. Like some people are excellent at three, and but... In my experience, at least with interacting with uh, uh, DevRel people, both in and out of the job, I can tell people are usually very strong at two and have a third one that they obviously do, but that are um, yeah. not as strong, which doesn't mean they're terrible. It just means not as strong. <laughs> I mean, community kind of covers, well, I don't know, like doing talks at a conference, is that content or is that community? I don't know. <laughs> I think it's. You could say. I mean, again, I think. I think it, it depends. Depends on the format, right? I guess it's very different to do a keynote with ten thousand people versus. Yeah, that's definitely common. That's definitely common. Uh, right. Yeah, versus doing like a small talk where it's like 
20 people in a in a beer garden somewhere <laughs> and you talk to them afterwards right uh, yeah right <laughs> okay well here's a okay so just focusing on code for a minute here's an interesting question for you and yes i don't know if you're free to talk about this with respect to contentful but i'm kind of interested uh you guys have an sdk i'm sure yes mm. so who writes the sdk is it the developer advocates or is it a separate team and which one should it be Right. So that's, that's also a sort of nebulous thing. So in my experience, applying to uh, DevRel roles, sometimes, sometimes, sometimes there isn't a hard line between that. So, so uh, the whole SDK and like an APIs and making sure this is good and integrated, that Thing that usually falls into more like what people call DevX, so like developer experience. So people doing that are generally called developer experience engineers. But it depends. Again, in my, in my job search, I found job descriptions that were developer experience engineers and that, that were developer advocates. They were just basically just content, you know, uh, again, the three Cs I just talked about and like no no SDKs at all. But generally the the... People who do SDKs and like and, um, more more on the code side of things um, are uh, on the are just our developer experience, which are different from developer advocates. But that that varies between companies a lot. So at Contentful, we don't. So at Contentful, DevRel is purely focused on again the three Cs, um, but more again we don't really touch SDKs. So we have SDKs on on a lot of languages, for example. So we have JavaScript, Python. Go, I believe we might have Java as well. .NET, so like covering that as a DevRel team, like would be like harder. For yeah, example. yeah, um, yes. And do you you then feedback to the the DX guys or, or girls about you know what what you're what you're hearing back from the community and what people are telling you? Yes, and the smaller the company, the quicker that feedback loop is um, in general. Okay. And, and and this is and this is where also it gets nebulous because when you're if you're a smaller company, if you're if your entire company is 15 people, well you're kind of doing everything as well. Like it's a lot, it's a lot um even if you're mostly doing, you know, uh content community, it's very easy for you to open a quick PR over there and just change yeah. change some things. Um I'm just I mean, gonna I, I'm I, gonna go deeper on the SDK. I want to get your opinion on something. Yeah. <laughs> so um, you know, in in, in in my other life, uh, you know, we, we do consulting for for startups, mostly helping them take their MVPs to production. And one of the things that yes. we're all doing is uh, integrating with many third party services. Um, and for any project, it could easily be up to 10, 15 third party services, right? These days, yeah, there's a lot of stuff. Yeah, there's a there's a report from Okta that came out, which was insane to me. I think it was the average company uses something like eighty tools. Yeah, yeah, it's just nuts. <laughs> but so, yeah. from from a developer experience point of view, um, yeah. I I think the industry has a bit of work to do because every single time for every single SDK or API. You've got to sit down, you've got to read the docs, and they all do authentication in a different way, and they all do configuration in a different way, and they all have different constraints. And some of them have wonderful docs and example code, and others are 
oh my god, just kind of crazy. Right? <laughs> <laughs> they, you know, it was obviously I don't know they hired they outsourced documentation or something. Um, they're they're the industry still seems to have does not seem to have uh, focused on a standard way of doing things, right? When I, as a developer, want to use an SDK, I want to go on a standard pathway. I want to I want to do all of the, the authentication, all that sort of stuff, pretty much the same way for every tool. Um, and that isn't there yet. From, from, a, from a DX perspective, um, it's chaos. Total chaos. Totally, total, total, total chaos. <laughs> Uh, I don't know if you had any thoughts on that or what we should do as an industry. I mean, maybe there should be standards or something. I don't know. I, I yeah, it's it's a tricky one. I think it's getting better. I, I tend to agree with you, but I, I think it's getting better, especially in the last, I would say, four years or so. Like, we went from, yeah, as you said, like, here's the docs. Good luck. <laughs> to, to, you yeah. know, we now... Now we have these like turnkey scripts, like uh, you see tons of companies that just have a one command thing, which is like, just get started. And it's, you know, it's, I don't know, it's NPX, you know, NPX, I mean, we can just say NPX contentful create or whatever, like, or NPX velt, whatever. Like, so this has improved a lot. Um, But yeah, I think the, yeah, I think we're we're getting better at it. And I think there's one part of that is people are really starting to treat things like terminals as part of the developer experience, which wasn't the case before. Um which is good because now if you if you want to like with uh, with Svelte, for example, like if you if you run the their installer, like it, you have a bunch of options, it's all color coded, it will install your dependencies for you. Um yeah, st- stuff like that was very rare, like, again, f- five, five years ago. And I mean, it's, it still existed, but it's it's becoming more of a standard, uh, as you said. Like, it's again, it's not an official standard, but more of a, I guess, I guess a table stake feature in a way that, you know, you could just uh, run a terminal command and get started. And then... Um, yeah, oh, I, I would agree, right? Table stakes. Um, it's just, <laughs> you know... From from the practical on the ground experience, uh, yeah, <laughs> I'd say only ha- only half of, of the companies have any sort of uh, reach any sort of standard acceptable standard really. Um, oh yeah, I think even half is probably generous. <laughs> probably um, okay, let, let's stop, let's stop our rant ranting about guys <laughs> and SDKs. Um, and I'm sure Contentful is one is, is is wonderful. I hope to use it at some point. Um, Sweet. Yeah. Let's talk about you. Let's talk one one last thing. Um, you recently set up a meetup, um, which is something yes. as 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 the as the developer advocate role grows within companies, and as people do more developer relations, a lot of companies are realizing that they have to engage with meetups, either sponsor them or. Uh, help to run them or start them up. Um, and that's something you recently did. So take us through that whole process. It was not easy. Um, so, so for, uh, yeah. so for, um, so we, so we had an event, it was the first in-person event for Contentful in London since 2019 that we, we ran in October and, um, it was good. Yeah. So the, 
I, I was on the, I was in in the UK, so it was easier for me to again to call venues to um, and also I I knew London as well, so it was easier to say oh. This place is really hard to get to. Like no one will go. Um, so I, yeah, so I had this knowledge, which was helpful because because sometimes it's it's hard. You can like. Um, oh yeah, I've done meetups in remotes in, in cities where we're just right stuff. It's crazy. Yeah. Yeah. So um, so yeah. So it 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 was a lot of work, and uh, and I think part of one thing we would do differently, which sounds obvious, but yeah, is to really think about these things in advance and. It might be, especially if you're starting from scratch, because when you when you have a meetup that already exists, that has a cadence, that has a that has two or three regular venues, it's a lot easier to you know not think of things uh, that far ahead because there's already sort of a system in place. But we had nothing, and it was kind of a one-off thing as well, um, even though we want to do more. Sure. But it wasn't. It wasn't going into like a venue and say, "Hey, we're going to be there every second Thursday for a year." It was more okay. We we need to we need to figure this out. We didn't even know how many people were going to show up. Um, even if we, uh, yeah. I think that the, the, that was from the speakers. We were really lucky. I think that um, we managed to get some really good speakers and, um, and even just a, just a good crowd. Um, like people, like stayed afterwards for like at yeah, least an hour really. when like after after all the talks were done which is to me a, re- a really good sign um so you so yeah i think it's that, uh, you find that the, the that it's it's finding a venue uh how did you find that because before covid you know there were lots of companies that would give you space very easy to find venues really um is that different now for an in-person meetup have the companies opened up again, or is it more difficult? Um, I think the comp- I think some companies have de- so are definitely back to 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 their their twenty nineteen self, and th- these ones are still there. And I think there are still some that are again willing to sponsor stuff. Um, you know, in, again in terms of uh, opening their offices. Um, so the, yeah, these companies still exist. I'm not sure if there are as many. It would be hard for me because I don't have a point of comparison. You know, I can't tell. I can't, I can't tell you I did this in 2019 and did that in 2022, sure. and these things were different. Um, but yeah, I, I still think there are. At, at least I would assume in big cities, uh, there are companies willing to open their offices and support um, communities. I think it's probably in again pocket similar to what we said earlier probably in the things that are similar to what they work on. Um, but yeah, I, I, I think there are, there are companies winning, but also with, you can still find like regular, regular venues and they, yeah. They, they, yeah, they're still pretty happy to host. I, I think venues in general are quite happy to, to have a meetup because it's easy for them. Like they don't have to cook anything. They, if they're, if their place offers food or they have all the pre-orders in advance, they don't have to, you know, deal with customers. Yes. You could just say, you could just say, right, give me, I don't know, give me thirty meals tonight, and it's all they have to do. So they're generally pretty happy, and you know, because it's it's a much more predictable evening for for, for them. Trust me, that's a lot easier than um, phoning up the pizza place that hasn't turned up with your eight large pizzas, <laughs> thirty hungry guests. <laughs> <laughs> yes, figure that has to leave because the babysitter is <laughs> needs yep. to stay much longer. Uh, <laughs> yes. Yeah, meetups are super fun. Are you are you going to do more? Will you do it again? Will you make it regular? 
we're, we're not sure. I think one thing we want to do more for um, the upcoming year is more sponsoring of existing meetups. Um, and I, as you said, it was one of the things you raised earlier was either in the um, doing meetups uh, or either in you know sponsoring by giving away a venue or just or, or just you know um, sponsoring food or whatever. So we want to do the latter more. Yeah. So yeah, we'll be we'll be uh, again in, in in an effort to sort of meet developers where they are. We, we want to again go go into local local user groups. Uh, and see it, if we can help. Be, and, and we're we're drafting that strategy right now. Will it be London again, or are you going to do it? Well, I, ideally, ideally in more places. Yeah, I don't I don't have anything yet, but yeah, ideally more places. Like I I, I would love to get involved in um, in a meetup, maybe even in Belfast or Dublin or some, something like oh, that. Oh yeah, so yeah. Well, you know, our, yeah. we have, uh, we have our, our Guinness is much better. So. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Uh, we got a straight from the factory. Um, okay, Alvin, with that, I think um, I look forward to having a pint of Guinness with you next year at some point. For sure. Uh, yeah. Thank you so much. Super, super interesting. Um, and also and great to kind of provide people with a almost a role model pathway into the into the developer advocate career. Thank you so much. No problem. Thank you so much. Awesome. Awesome. You can find the transcript of this podcast and any links mentioned on our podcast page at voxgig.com podcast. Subscribe for weekly editions where we talk to the people who make the developer community work. For even more, read our newsletter. You can subscribe at voxgig.com newsletter or follow our Twitter at voxgig. Thanks for listening. Catch you next time.